We're checking in with Rick Forchuk on his movie picks for the week. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Raji. All right, let's start with the one that everyone's talking about, Bullet Train. We'll start right there. Well, Brad Pitt, of course, is the big star here. Yes. And Sandra Bullock gets top billing too, Raji, but only her voice is present throughout most of the film, and we see her only very briefly at the end. Now, if you took the style and the sass of Pulp Fiction, along with its profanity and bad guy charm, if you rolled it up with the Cockney style of the Guy Ritchie movie Snatch or Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, one of which also starred Brad Pitt, and then you added the close quarters action of the movie Snakes on a Plane, you would have a small idea of what this frantic and frenetic tale is all about. Now, most of the action takes place on the Japanese bullet train, where we meet Brad Pitt's character, known as Ladybug, having an extended phone conversation with the voice of Sandra Bullock. She's instructing him to find a specific briefcase that's located somewhere on this train. We don't know what. We don't know what makes it important. We don't really know who Ladybug really is. And for the first 30 minutes of the movie, I had no idea what was actually going on. As we jumped from character to character, mostly on the train and mostly not offering a lot of info as to who or what they were, other than that they had an interest in the briefcase, they all seemed to be assassins of one sort or another, but by midpoint it started to come together and make some sense. I liked the way the plot threads were offered, left behind, and then they were returned to sew up the action. Stay put when the credits begin to roll, as there's a key scene that ties up a lot of those loose ends about a minute into the credits. Now, the director here is David Leach, and he knows his way around the pulse-pounding genre better than most. As a director, he's been responsible for such titles as John Wick, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, and The Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. He's worked as Brad Pitt's stunt double for several years in such films as Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Fight Club and Ocean's Eleven. Uh, in this movie, Raji Pitt does his own stunt work uh, 95% of the time. Uh, it is a frenetic and frantic movie, as I said. Uh, it is uh, really something unusual. You have to pay close attention to figure out what's going on. It takes itself not terribly seriously. Uh, the rating is 14A. There's a lot of violence, a lot of language. Uh, but in the end, yeah, I like this one. Okay. And then Easter Sunday... Yeah, this is an interesting film. Uh, uh, Joe Coy is a stand-up comic of Filipino extraction who's been a big hit in his personal appearances for many years all over the world. And it seems to have been the hope of the filmmakers here, one of which was Steven Spielberg, that his brand of high-energy humor would do for a movie, uh, not much more than an extended situation comedy, by the way, what it does for his tens of thousands of live audience fans. But this did not quite happen with this film. Movies about family gatherings at special times of the year are nothing new, nor is the bickering and backbiting that seems to be many families' way of saying, I love you. Now, when Joe of the Valencia family gets together for Easter, which is an odd holiday to choose, but maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas have been done to death, and uh, they get together at his mother's behest, all the usual family problems pop up with predictable regularity. In terms of plot, I'm afraid there's too much. The family doesn't think much of Joe's uh, chosen profession as a comic. They rag on him for it. He's also challenged as a single dad in working with his teenage son's issues while still trying to be a good son to his mom. And there's an added-on subplot in which gangsters are threatening one of the family members. Lou Diamond Phillips plays himself. Tiffany Haddish plays a cop. Tia Carrera also stars, along with Vancouver's Carly Pope. Now, the film, Raji, was shot almost entirely on the lower mainland, and you'll recognize such iconic places as Spanish banks and other local landmarks. 
Steven Spielberg actually saw Joe Coy do his stand-up act and worked to get him a deal with his company, Amblin Entertainment. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I found that the movie uh, will work, I think, probably better when it comes to on-demand and DVD because there's so much going on that waters down the comedic presence and sharp wit of its star, Joe Coy. 14 A's, the rating for this one. It's unusual. It is called Easter Sunday. Okay, and then on Apple Plus, one we are trying to get through in my household, but because I have so little time, it's done in like 20-minute spurts. It's called Luck. Yep, this is an animated feature. It just smacks of the world of Disney for good reason. Uh, John Lasseter, who executive produced everything from Finding Nemo to the Cars movies to the Wreck-It Ralph series, was the key Disney Pixar creative head. He has now left that fold, he's left uh, Disney, and he's produced his first G-rated animated feature for Apple+. Plus. The ageist-long battle between good luck and bad luck is explored here from the inside out, with voices provided by Simon Pegg, Jane Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, and Pixar standard John Ratzenberger, who was Cliff Clavin, the mailman in the bar in Cheers. Can I just say, though, that every time he does voice work, it throws me off, because he will always only be Cliff Clavin to me. That's how he is to me as well. It doesn't matter whether he's a pig or whether he's the guy in, uh, <laughs> in all of the uh, Toy Story movies. Uh, he is Cliff Clavin to me, too. Uh, Lasseter's taken most of his creative team onto this project, so it looks a lot like Pixar uh, for good reason. It is rated G. It's suitable for all family members. I quite liked it. I thought it was a, a nice film, and it's a great family film. That's luck. It's on Apple+. And what did you think about 13 Lives? I really liked this movie. Uh, you know what? The mark of a, a real smart director is this. You take a film based on something that actually happened that everybody knows about, uh, like Ron Howard did with Apollo 13, for example, and he's the director here for 13 Lives, uh, the dramatized story of the 2018 cave rescue in northern Thailand in which a dozen boys and their soccer coach were trapped in a flooded cave system. So we all know how that turns out, and yet the movie is so gripping so tension-filled, and you think, are they going to make it? Well, you know they did, but Howard's just magical here. He's just outstanding. Now, Disney Plus has already streamed the National Geographic film The Rescue from last year. The Ron Howard version, uh, directing this with Colin Farrell, starring as John Volenthen, the British cave driver, who is the key player in the rescue of the, of the trap team, is just great. Joel Edgerton, Viggo Mortensen, also star. It's designed to be an accurate depiction of the challenges of the rescue. It's largely shown from the point of view of the boys trapped in the cave, which is something we didn't get from the documentary. So that's 13 oh, Lives. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's a masterful job by Ron Howard. Okay, that sounds really interesting. And what about Prey? That's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I watched this one last night. It's a prequel to the Predator movies that takes place 300 years in our past, and it focuses on a young Comanche woman named Naru. She's played by Amber Midthunder, and she works to protect her tribe from the first of the highly evolved predator species to land on Earth. Now, legal wranglings prevent this film from being presented as part of the Predator series that began in 1987 with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the lead role. It was followed by a sequel three years later that starred Danny Glover. Then there were two Alien vs. Predator films that were outside the scope of the original movies as well. But here, Naru has to use all the skills that she possesses to try to defeat the creature that can hunt her invisibly. It's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane. 
It's the first standalone Predator movie to have a female lead, and the slate of actors is almost exclusively Native American, with representatives from the Pueblo and Apache tribes. It is rated 14A. I thought it was very, very good for what it was. A good special effects, good story, and a unique, uh, a unique place to come from 300 years in the past. Uh, and that one, again, is on Disney+. Plus. It's called Prey. Okay, let's squeeze one in uh, just really quickly here. One last one. Okay, well, that's Carter. It's uh, on Netflix. It's a Netflix-distributed action thriller with sci-fi overtones. comes from South Korea with a cast uh, not well-known there, but not so much here. The title character awakens in a post-pandemic world where the U.S. and North Korea have already been devastated. None of his memories are intact, and he senses a strange device in his head, and a disembodied voice is in his ears calling him Carter. The voice gives him directions on how to avoid government factions that seem bent on killing him. It's an action thriller. It's not so bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It would be better, I think, for most of us if there were recognizable actors, but uh, that's not our fault. It's a South Korean film. So that's on Netflix called Carter. Okay. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, Rick. Okay. Thanks, Roger. Take care.